Good morning and a very warm welcome to our service this morning on this glorious summer morning here in Bath. It's clear that the summer has arrived in full force when you see the sunburn around this week and hopefully the summer will continue for a bit longer during our summer period too. While we can't gather as a whole over this period that we're in at the minute, we are encouraging you to think about how you can meet up in smaller groups, in the park, in gardens. I'm encouraging, we're encouraging you to have tea in the garden. Yes, I think you are in the right century. Tea in the garden seems to be a great way to meet up with friends, to meet with church, but also with neighbours at this time. But can I also encourage you to keep praying over this season? Keep praying for our city, keep praying for our parish, keep praying for us as a church. Keep praying for Cranhill Nursing Home that still has had no COVID deaths. Keep praying for St Andrew's School. It's a great opportunity to keep praying for our peace and prosperity of our city. We're continuing to look at our values over this summer period. We were looking at the culture and the type of church we want to become. And this morning we're looking at being a church full of grace and truth. By personality, by upbringing and for a number of our factors, we tend to look at either being I'm a grace person or I'm a truth person. One writer put it this way, he said, if you're a grace person, you are most concerned about being loved. If you're a truth person, you're most concerned with being right, even if it means being unloved. But Christians are called to be people of both grace and truth. All grace, all truth, all the time. Not grace on Mondays, truth on Tuesdays, and a bit of grace and truth at the weekend. And all of us know what it is to encounter people and how wonderful it is to have grace and truth together. So let me pray this morning. God of grace and truth, would you continue to pour your spirit down upon us? Would your spirit continue to well up within us? So as a church, we overflow with grace and truth. Amen. This morning's reading is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God at, in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because was he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God only, the, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. John 1 is one of the most famous, well-loved, theologically rich passages in Scripture. It's often read at carol services, reminding us that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth in human form to dwell with us and bring us into relationship with him. This morning we come to the passage to consider two more values which are central for us as a church, grace and truth. Focusing on verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth are not just random values for us that have been conjured up out of thin air by Tim or the PCC. Their meaning sums up everything that the Lord Jesus is and does. They're values that we can confidently build on as a church family, as disciples of Christ in the community of Walcott, around Bath, with our friends, our neighbours and our colleagues. So we've simply got two questions to think about in the next few minutes. What does it mean for us to be a church that's built on grace? What does it mean for us to be a church that's built on truth? Firstly, what does it mean to be a church built on grace? Sometimes when we think of someone who's full of grace, we think of a dancer, like my Royal Ballet friend, Katie, who was trained by the Royal Ballet and who then can pirouette around my kitchen, light on her feet and beautiful to watch. But this isn't, of course, what John means. Verse 14 tells us that Jesus, God himself, literally came to pitch his tent in the midst of humanity with people to live among us, not as God dwelt with his people by cloud or by fire in the Old Testament, but in a personal way, in the flesh. As one writer says, Jesus is God himself with skin on. And Jesus, the word made flesh, reflects the glory of God in every way. He's overflowing with goodness and unconditional love for all people for all time. And if we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus, summed up as full of grace and truth. In Exodus 34, God appears before Moses in a cloud and passes in front of him, showing him his glory and his character. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, and yet not leaving the guilty unpunished. God's beautiful, grace-filled character is seen entirely in Jesus Christ. Imagine a trapeze artist, well-trained, and whose job night after night is to climb to the highest point of a tent and swing across the sky, jumping and tumbling as they go. Now, no matter how hard they work, there'll always be mistakes, which is why there is always a net to catch them if they fall. This is a helpful picture for us of grace. 
Because God's love is so huge, so unconditional, that whatever mistakes we make, he's always going to be there to catch us if we fall. His love for us is so generous, goes far beyond our frequent mess-ups and mistakes. And yet that net of his love is there, even though we don't deserve it. Grace is perfectly demonstrated in scripture. By grace, God creates all things. He calls Israel to be his people. He rescues them and gifts them with his law to enable them to live with him. And so it goes on, pointing finally to Jesus, in whom the fullness of God's grace is demonstrated perfectly. Through his sacrificial death, we receive that undeserved love and favour for all eternity. Verse 16 and 17 sum it up. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses' grace. Through the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Because of the fullness of grace in, in Christ, we have grace heaped on us. Grace on top of grace, on top of grace, on top of grace. That overflowing fountain of Christ's grace will never dry up. That grace so generously bestowed on us is the same grace that we at St. Swithin's Church are called to build on and to demonstrate. Our love for others should never dry up. We should be a church that loves and forgives, that welcomes and befriends, that accepts, encourages and listens and practically cares, as well as at times lovingly correcting and challenging one another to grow in Christlikeness. But as a grace-filled church, we're also called to be built on truth. Jesus is truth. The truthfulness relates to the character of God. 24 times in John's writings, he speaks of God as truth. Isaiah describes God as the one true God. Proverbs describes how God hates lies. And David describes how God desires truth in us. Truth is central to the character of God and is embodied in the person of Jesus. And as his children, we're called to be people of truth. As we begin to comprehend the grace of Christ, we begin to understand the truth about ourselves and our world. A little girl had a huge fight with her brother. When her mother came in, she said, why did you let the, let the devil put in your heart to pull your brother's hair and kick him in the shins? The little girl thought for a moment and said, well, maybe the devil put it in my head, head to pull my brother's hair, but kicking him in the shins, that was my idea. She'd already begun to see the truth about herself. And as we recognize the grace of Christ, we begin to recognize ourselves as sinners and acknowledge our need for a savior. Truth is both revealed and understood through Christ. We often say that we live in a world where increasingly truth is relative. What's true for me may not be true for you. People are interested in spirituality, but often on their own terms. As a church, therefore, Jesus needs to be our start and our ending point, as does God's word, which scripture tells us is God-breathed, revealing his plan for his world through his son. Since Jesus is the embodiment of truth, as we read books or maybe listen to podcasts or sermons, we need to take care to prayerfully weigh up our own views 
as well as the views of others to ensure that what we believe aligns itself with Christ himself. Jesus himself always treated scripture as God's truth, which reminds us that we too need to do the same. That's why word and spirit go hand in hand, because that's the way that we discern truth. Yes, we need to apply it sensitively and wisely, but there are times as a church when we're gonna to have to go against the prevailing culture and say no, because God's truth speaks differently. It can be hard and we could be rejected or regarded as foolish. But as we lift our eyes to Jesus, we're reminded that he, full of grace and truth, was rejected, regarded as foolish, and indeed killed for the sake of the truth that humankind carries around that greatest problem within us, within our hearts, and desperately needs a saviour. Our call as a church family is to be the people of grace and truth. All grace, all truth, all of the time. We're to treat others with love and kindness, mercy and compassion, all the time. We're to be a people who don't compromise the gospel or blend with the world, but instead just stand firm on scripture and lovingly point others to him alone. Grace and truth is who Jesus is. And by the loving work of his spirit, that is who we are and who we will become. That's why they're great values for us to have as a church family. As we finish, let me tell you a story. In the 17th century, a young boy was born into a Christian family. For the first six years of his life, he had heard the truth of the gospel and was dearly loved. His parents died and the orphan boy went on to live with relatives who mistreated and ridiculed him for his faith in Christ. He couldn't bear the situation, so he ran away and he joined the Navy. Things got worse and his life went downhill. He caused fights and was whipped and treated other people badly. Finally, while this young man was still young, he ran from the Navy and fled to Africa, where he attached himself to a Portuguese trade slaver, slave trader. There his life reached its lowest point. He escaped again and became attached to another slave trader as a first mate on a ship. Still, he lived a depraved life. He stole whiskey and got drunk, and one day got so drunk he fell overboard. And a shipmate had to harpoon him to get him back onto the boat. He had a huge scar for the rest of his life. Things could not get much worse, but finally, in the midst of a huge storm off the coast of Scotland, after days of pumping water out of the boat, this young man began to reflect on the verses that he was taught as a small boy. And John Newton was beautifully and wonderfully converted and discovered a faith and new life in Christ, receiving grace as he meditated on his truth. In years to come, this is what he wrote. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. As we say these words as a prayer now, I'm gonna pause after each line so that you can bring your own prayer to God and be reminded of his love and saving grace through Christ.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen.